So thanks for encouraging us. My voice is a little bit gone, so every now and then, it's not that the sound's going off, it's that I'm going off, so please just have some patience with me. I'm so glad that, that Arnold came this morning because I had something on my heart for the last two weeks that I knew I wanted to preach this morning, and uh, I want to go to John the Baptist, and he was a man that was beheaded. He was persecuted for following the Lord, and especially for speaking the truth into the context of a powerful ruler. He was not afraid, John the Baptist, and he got imprisoned, and he got, he got murdered for his faith. And so what I'm just going to do is what I had on my heart, I'm just going to take into two parts. And I'm going to start this morning with the first man on the stage, part one. And then next time when I'm up again, I will, I will wrap it up. Now, often in the Bible, John the Baptist is being referred to as the man that, that stands between the Old Testament prophets and the one who ushers Jesus in. Let's, let's quickly read together in Mark chapter 1. In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, Behold, I send my messengers before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed in camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. And so Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, he, he doesn't start with genealogies. He, do, he, do, he doesn't even start with John the Baptist or Jesus' mother, where some of the Gospel starts giving us a greater interlude. Mark cuts the first five verses he goes to John the Baptist because he recognizes John the Baptist as the start of the Gospel. And we see that echoed in other scriptures as well. In Acts 10, verse 37, we read, You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. So, so we see there was a shift in the coming of the ministry of John the Baptist. Matthew 11, verse 12, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violence taken by force. Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. And so it gives me this idea of here comes the gospel. It, it is the moment where the new covenant will come over the old covenant, and the curtains of the stage goes open. And as it goes open, there's this man. John the Baptist, setting the stage, setting the standard for the king to come. And normally when something starts, when a, when a show starts, you need to pay attention because it sets a precedent. 
This is now the beginning. We even see it in the Bible at certain crucial times. When something new starts, pay attention. Because it's about to, to be the start of a longer journey. And it's important to pay attention at the coming of the gospel. What is the message of John the Baptist? And, and, and how did this man live? What does he have for us? If we behold him, if we really pay attention. And so I'm going to just hang on this piece of scripture a little bit. And almost part one will be an introduction for what's coming. But I trust that the Lord will, will minister deeply into us this morning. Verse two, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare the way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. And so what Mark is indicating to us is that this, this verse, this prophecy in Isaiah 40, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, written between 500 and 550 years before the ministry of John the Baptist. Mark is indicating it is here. We knew this curtain would open. We, know, we knew this the show would start. The gospel would come. It is now here. It came with this man. And pay close attention because everything is about to change. And John is often a little bit forgotten because he was not one of the apostles that wrote the Bible. We don't, we don't read his epistles. We don't read his books. We, we, we read about him. Uh, he was beheaded before Pentecost. He, he was beheaded before the Holy Spirit came and showered gifts on the men. John was already gone. But he must have been one incredible man. Because he was the first bridesmaid. And he started off alone. And the others would still come. Peter, John, Mark, the gang, they will still come. But at this moment, while John is there and the curtains open, the others are still fishing. They are still collecting tax. They are still doing different things. They would also come. But here is number one, John the Baptist. Now that would be a character to meet one day in heaven. It's like, at what age? Because we need to remember, we're going to read about his, the simplicity in which this man lived. I mean, he... He, he, he somewhere there was a dead camel, okay, and he he made himself uh, clothes. I don't know. I'm making that up because I'm not sure how you make clothes out of a camel, okay. I guess you can be quite tall because it's a big animal, but 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 when did you transition by living your life in that way? Because he was the son of a priest, Zechariah. Now that's not to say priest was specifically rich or something, but. It's not like John's parents lived on the streets and then he found a cave and, and, and therefore he was poor. And well, this man at one stage had a stirring in his heart. The Holy Spirit worked with John in such a way that he became a very unique man in the sight of the Lord. And, 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 and I guess at one stage he had to probably retract from the place where his parents was living because he lived in the desert. He was set apart for the Lord in a very unique way. And, and, and please, I'm not saying everyone go move in the mountains. That's not where we are going with this. But, but there's, 
there's a few principles here to grasp that will make you free in this world if it falls on your heart in the right way. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Yet in today's times, we probably have more enslaved Christians than ever before because the world is right here, right here, right here. But if we catch what God wants to teach us from the man that was there when the curtains drew open, we can be free in this world. And that is what we should be after, amen? Mark cuts to the chase. No genealogy. Let me tell you about this man. Whoop. Stage open. John the Baptist. Now, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going to him. Now, John arises with the center of the kingdom as his message. Repent of your sins and turn to God. In a time where there was many things, many facets, religion was hanging on so many strings, you would not know where to touch or where to go. You should do this, not do this, this day, not that, not this, not that, not this. And John comes and says, you need to bring your heart and repent. You need to bring your heart, repent of your sins. And he just knows how to tie all those strings together and say, this is what this is. It's not important how you look. It's not important where you live. It's not, there's many things that's not important. What is important is that you come to God with a heart that acknowledges, Lord, there's sin in this heart. And he binds you together. And still, today, this is the core of the gospel. If you have to look for this in a church, after consistently going to a church, if you are visiting here or you're moving somewhere, if you have to look, and it's hard for you, and I can't find it, okay? Now, if, if the message of repentance is hard to find in a church, if you look and you can't find it, you probably have to look for another church. It is the core. And John the Baptist, what a revolutionary, he knew it. As he ushered us from the old covenant into the new, he said, this is it. And it has not changed. With all the strings in churches today and all the things that's there, all the mirrors that can take us, this is still it. Leading people, a community, to come to God with repentant hearts. When I open the fridge of the church, it should stand in the middle with many other things also there. But let us not struggle to find this in our small groups, on our lips, in our homes, in our church. Amen. He comes with this message. And I don't know, I'm, I'm not a church historian. I wrote the subject once. I think I passed. But I moved on from church history, not remain there. But he must be one of the most successful ministers of the kingdom. Because this man 
is baptizing people in the Jordan. And Jerusalem is about 32 kilometers from the Jordan, downhill on a mount of gravel roads. No tar, okay. And the people walk to him. All of Judea and Jerusalem. They hear about this man. They hear about his message. Now, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, some incredible things happened. We are before that. John the Baptist had a message. Repent and turn to the Lord. And people are walking 32 kilometers. Now, if you go with children, three days journey. If you go with your wife, two. If you go alone, you could do it in one day. But they had no night tackies. These people were not conditioned to run. They walked. They set up tent. They were aiming their lives to get to this man. Now, that is a successful ministry. So today... To get an audience, I could record something, especially say some controversial stuff so that people share it, put it on social media, and I can get people to connect with me while they're on their couch, not back then. That's a long journey. This man is more successful than the people we have today. People are inconveniencing themselves for a week to travel and hear what's on the stage because something has shifted. He is a successful minister. And, and, and now, what we need to ask ourselves, now we know what's coming, but pretend we don't know. I wonder what this man is like. I wonder what this successful minister, I wonder what his life looks like. Because today, if you are an incredible leader, and the world knows about you, you already have a book. And people can read about the 10 things you do in your life and in one way learn from you. There's nothing wrong with you with that. But we learn from one another, right? We have conferences and we have seminars to, to, to show people that how to do incredible things like we do. Not, not me. <laughs> All right. But here, the most successful minister, arguably... In the early church, one of the most successful, many of the other apostles, they had to go to the other towns. People come to John. He's doing his thing at Jordan. People here, they come. There's a drawing power about this man. And I wonder what it's like if he should give a conference. And Mark is about to tell us about this man who leads the way. And there's incredible lessons for us here. I'm just going to give us two this morning. Very next verse, John, tell me something about your life. Now, John, that successful man, next verse, was clothed with camel's hair. And he wore a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Now, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the people in the temple were aiming their lives into their studies because if they could reach a certain level, they can put on a better dress, longer robe, another stripe, a different hat. And as a junior, you would walk the temple and you'd, like one day, one day, I, I, I will dress like Nicodemus. I, I will one day also, if I can just push, and I'm like, Lord, please help me one day to attain to that position where Nicodemus is like, 
Everyone knows that him. You can see of all these people from afar. There he goes because I can recognize him from far off. I know exactly because there was ways to dress as you would elevate yourself in the ministry. And John the Baptist comes along. And I worry, next. Next. And those other people are flustered because what now? The greatest guy comes dressed like a camel. I'm 10 years in giving my life to attain to this level here. This guy comes along, and so they hate him. They cannot take him. They cannot stand him. They're trying to catch him. They're trying to trick him because he is a problem for them. He's a problem for the world system, but he brings freedom in his hands. Because what John has to say for us, one of the most successful ministers, if you are here, want to honor the Lord, live for Him, please Him. You can lay that down. Today, you and I can stop worrying about attaining to the perception of the world around us because it is distracting us from a message of repentance. It fills us with other type of visions, other ideas. The message is there, but it is also attaining. There's also progressing. John says, have nothing to do with that. Only be yielded to him. If you've got food and you've got clothes, be thankful. Put it on. Isn't that incredible? This means your credit card can relax now. You can relax. You don't have to worry. What is important is the value and the majesty of the message that you are carrying. Let not that be defiled. Let not that go into poverty. Don't, don't worry so much about the rest. Please don't come to church wearing a camel, okay? That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> of your want. Of <laughs> but take your freedom. Don't come to the one that liberates our souls just to step back into captivity again. Amen? In that time when there was great feast, there was patriarchs. These people had feasts for people to come in. And they would spoil them with the best of food. And the idea was to have the head of the traffic department, the head of the building department, and have them all come feast at your house. And you impress them and they will do favors for you. Okay? John had favor with God. He had no majestic food. But the favor of God was pushing through him in such a way. He had no human being. He had no need of no human to open doors for him. God would do it himself. In fact, his attitude was so the other way around. He said, God, I don't want you to open a door for me. Can I prepare the way for Jesus? We need to take something from John's life and become free in this area. The first thing about John is he lived with humble means and the dot did not limit his ministry one bit one bit 
You don't need a grand house to host a small group. You need an open front door. You need to be available for the Lord like John was. God will make it work. Amen? It's amazing how things have not changed in 2,000 years. They're still the same. <laughs> They're still the same. The enemy wants us to live externally focused lives. God wants us to live from the heart. That was how he lived. That was who he was, this incredible leader. But then he also had a message, and that's also very important. He preached saying, after me comes he who is mightier than I. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Why will I live to impress another human? All I'm looking for is the feet of Jesus that I can stoop down and maybe have the privilege of changing his shoes, giving him a clean pair. That's it. When he says that, he is talking about Job no one wants to do. No one wants to change anyone's feet back then, okay? They were walking on the roads where the camels and the donkeys and the horses were, and, and so feet was really, it was really disgusting. I, I don't want to make toilet jokes here because I've got a tendency for toilet humor, but, but he's saying if I can get to the feet of Jesus, it would be my greatest pleasure if I can tend to his feet. And so what John is indicating is that the message of his life was that he's not important. But he'll be happy to serve. And get his hands dirty with whatever God gives him to do. He served of humility in the heart. If these two things starts to grow in your life, you will be free. Before the face of the Lord, you will be free. You don't, you don't even have to be perfect in them, but if these are things that falls on your heart in a way that it starts to grow with the help of the Spirit, you will be free and you will be okay. You will make it. If we get that number two, John says it's not about me, it's about Jesus. We will serve without ever getting offended. We would love our spouses in a way without measuring their love back to us. We will serve people in our towns, in our communities. And even if they don't respond, even if they slander you, you'll go to bed with peace because you see it's not about you elevating yourself in the face of others it's about you looking for the feet of Jesus that you may have a part of him hearts that engages the, or that moves to the same place where John the Baptist Baptist heart was is hearts that's fit for worship fit for ministry fit for friendship fit for marriage fit for business fit for life our problem is not all these external circumstances going against us. The problem is in here. And that is the message of John the Baptist. And it has not changed. It is still the same. 
is still the same. When I came to join um, Pastor Andres and Pastor Lisa about two and a half years back, there was a hashtag. I met people in this town that said, this church is known by this phrase, known for love. Not known because the building is this way or that way, or not known for the great worship team, which it has, by the way. But they were known for love because when the people was put out of their homes, that was before my time, people came and slept in this church, and people in this church came and served, brought food. After that, it was a lockdown. Food packets was packed. I'm glad I wasn't here because apparently I would have broken my back carrying all the wonderful gifts this congregation gave to people that did not have food. They were known for love. Let's continue. Let's continue, amen? Let's not lose sight. But there was one greater than John the Baptist. And he said it himself. When John the Baptist lost his head in Herod's home, he did not pay for the sins of one human. He could not. He's, he had sin of his own. He can inspire us maybe, but he cannot stand in the place of my righteousness. There was one greater who also did not have enough, who at the end had no clothes on his body when he was tortured to death. John had locusts to eat. In that moment, Jesus was thirsty. He had nothing. But he was able to do what John the Baptist could not do. John the Baptist maybe was there when the curtains went open, but Jesus finished the show. And he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from men hide their faces, he was despised. He was despised because there was times when he was not wonderful or glorious or glamorous. And so many people did not stay, did not follow. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. It's not on the screen, but in 2 Corinthians, the scripture says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this morning, my message to you, if maybe you are new around here or new to church or if you're starting to hear a voice calling you near, it is this one that's calling you, the one who died for you on the cross. And my sin and your sin gets transferred to him when we come and fall before him with a repentant heart, like John the Baptist invited even before Jesus. And so what do you do today with a restless heart? What do you do today with a broken life? You come to Jesus and you surrender your life before him. Isn't that incredible? And you start there, and he will help you. And so this morning, as we are seated in this place, I don't even have to stand up. I want to ask you, I want to ask you, believer, first, 
You know him. You know that you know him. Have you allowed this world to recapture the affection of your heart in a way that you know you are saved for eternity, but momentarily you're actually in bondage? John the Baptist has a message for every believer this morning. Become free again from the standards, the perception, the hamster wheel that this world wants to put you on. You need not perform for mankind. You can be free. Have your eyes upon the Lord. With food and clothing, with these, you can be content. You are free. Maybe your heart has also gone a little bit hard. And it happens in this life because we experience pain, sin, brokenness. People come into your life, they say, I promise you I'll have your back, and then they don't. And when you least expect it, you are alone. Maybe there's a knife in your back. Someone came into your life and they said, I will love you till death do us part. But when it got difficult, they turned back on their word. These kind of things makes our hearts hard. But that hard heart can become soft again if we bring it to Jesus for healing. Amen? So this morning, I want to ask you, won't you bring your hard heart to the Lord again? And say, Lord, I've become hard in this area. I've become hard towards that person. I became hard towards this person. Lord, this situation has caused me to become cynical, skeptical. And I've become a bit bitter. Simple prayer where you are sitting this morning. Say, Lord, give me a humble heart again, a soft heart. Let the blood flow into my heart. Just where you are sitting, won't you just pray for your own heart? Say, Lord, give me a soft heart that's moldable before you. Life's too short to live with a stiff heart. It isolates and alienates you. A soft heart opens you up. But a soft heart is a repentant heart. It's a heart that quickly runs to the Lord for repentance. Does a court part now, Jesus, do if you want a soft heart? Just where you are sitting, even believers in this place, let's repent of whatever the Holy Spirit is showing you right now. Say, Lord, I repent because this other thing has has moved onto, onto the throne of my heart, and I sense it's contending with you. Please forgive me for allowing this person or my workplace or that situation to become the ruler of my heart. And I just turn to you again this morning in this place. When you turn your heart like that to him, you will experience the arms of love of a father. You will not be met with the stick of discipline. you'll be met by forgiveness and love and maybe he will help you and train you and discipline you on your journey but never be afraid to turn to him it's a throne of grace 
And then maybe you are here this morning and, and you kind of understand what I'm saying, but you're not 100% with me because you've never started your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you that when Jesus Christ went to the cross, He had you and me in mind that we would come to a moment in our lives where we say up to this point and no further I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart and all my mind and all my strength and when you do that everything changes it is called to be born again the old pass away and the new person comes some of us here we don't have an issue with a hard heart we are dead and we need to come alive to, to God so as every eye closed in this place I, I, I want you to just take a bold step and just put your hand up and say I, I need to come to the Lord I need to come to the Lord then I want you to put your hand up very high and say I'll take that step of faith thank you for that hand is there anyone else just put that hand up I, I'm not going to call you to the front I'm saying it up front I just want you to indicate I want you to move is there anyone else I just want to say I, I know I need to become new in the Lord thank you for all those hands Thank you for those hands. You are very courageous this morning. You're at the right place. Lord, as hands are going up in this place, I pray that you will honor their response. Even at this moment, with the infilling of your Holy Spirit, as the heart is opening up, the Holy Spirit will go in and make a home of this person. We sense your presence here, Holy Spirit. You have not left us. You are right here, ministering, loving, and drawing people to the Son. And we honor you for that. Let's all pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I draw near to you this morning. I come with a stiff heart and I repent for having a hard heart. Wash me of my sins. You died for my sins. Grant me a soft heart, an open ear, and eyes that can see. Make me free to live a simple life with joy and contentment. Grant me a humble heart that esteems God higher than all other people. Help me to honor your word. Read it often. And as I read it, help me to obey it. I want to thank you for my brothers. And I want to thank you for my sisters. I am not alone. Help me to be a good brother and sister. And then Lord, send me out in Hermanus and beyond as you please let me also stand in my place the place you have set apart for me like as John the Baptist did his part that I will also stand and do my part and I pray that in the name of Jesus and everyone said Amen Thank you, everyone. The Lord bless and keep you. We want to serve you a coffee, and we want to invite you to the baptism at 12 o'clock. What we also want to ask is...